I go. <laughs> Check out what happened next. After that sermon was preached, after the call to repent, be baptized, receive forgiveness, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And in verse 41 says, those who accepted his message, those who accepted his message, like Daniel, like Sam, were baptized. That's what happened here. About 3,000 were added to the membership that day, about 3,000. I mean, there were 120, and now there are 120, 3,120. That's a big day in church. What do you do next? Where do they go with that crowd? And verse 42 and following shows us they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and prayer. <coughs> Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, and they held everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily, such as were being saved. It's a beautiful picture of a spirit-filled church. They were devoted. You ever been devoted to something? Some of you have been devoted to fishing. Some of you are devoted to hunting. Some of you have been devoted to a particular sport, basketball. You're a devoted baseball fan, devoted football fan. You've been devoted. You've given your heart to something. You've really embraced it, and you love it. Well, that's what happened to these people. They just fell desperately in love with the things of God. They, they just couldn't get enough of God's word. They, they listened to the apostles' teaching. What is that? Well, I mean, Peter gives a pretty good idea. If you look at his sermon, it's, uh, there's a whole lot of Bible preaching in that sermon. He preached from the prophet Joel. That's in verses 17 down to 21. He preached from the Psalms, the Psalm of David. That's there in verse 25 down to verse 28. And then there's another Psalm reference in verse 34. So it's Bible preaching. They wanted, they wanted Bible. Their Bible that they had in their hands was the Old Testament. So there was a lot of truth from the Old Testament showing that Jesus is Christ. That, that, this didn't surprise anybody. This wasn't a surprise. God sending his son. I mean, it goes way back in God's plan to redeem us, to set us free from sin way back. And so they went to the Old Testament. They didn't have a New Testament. Poor them. No, they just had the original copies. They had the disciples. They had the guys that had lived with him and walked with him. They told the stories of Jesus. I mean, would that not be cool? Listening to James and John and Peter and the rest of them tell what it was like for three years to walk with Jesus. Wouldn't that have been cool? It would have been. But don't be disappointed because we got the book. And they tell us exactly what we need to know about that life. Hungry for the Word of God. Keeps me coming back to be a part of the people of God, listening to the Word of God as it's preached. I want to tell you where this church is going. This church is going after a Bible-preaching, Spirit-filled, people-loving preacher. That's who they're going to bring to you. That's the standard by which they have judged the candidates, the different people that they've interviewed. And there is coming this way a man of God. And you can be excited that when you sit here 
in the days and weeks and months to come. The Bible will continue to be preached with new blessings, new wonderful experiences of receiving Bible truth. And the church here in Spearfish that meets in this place is going to go on from one degree of glory to the next. Because that's what God has for you. You should be happy. <laughs> that that's the cause of Christ being acted out in this place. Hey, listen, you want to continue to devote yourself to the apostles' teaching, to the teaching of the Bible? Uh, one way is to do it personally. Don't wait for the pastor to show up on Sunday to open up the Word and explain things. Take the book. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, let me just, you don't have, how many of you, I won't embarrass you. Never mind, I'm not, I ask you to raise your hand, you're not reading your Bible. But don't do that. You, you wouldn't tell the truth. So, so here's the deal. You're not reading your Bible, but I want to challenge you who believe. Pick up the Bible, start reading 1 John, five chapters. One John, not the gospel, the letter. 1 John, five chapters. For the next five days, read a chapter each day. You know why it was written? It was written so that you can know, you can know, you can know, not think or guess, you can know that you belong to Jesus. It is the assurance of your salvation. It comes from the Word of God, by the Spirit of God. You do that these next five days, and you pray every time, Holy Spirit, open my eyes that I can see what is my treasure in Jesus and that it cannot be taken away. Do that for five days. Some of you have never trusted Christ. Read the Gospel of John. The book of John, plain John, not the one, two, or three. The gospel of John, read it because it was written. These things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, and that believing you might have life in his name. You might have life. So you read it, you ask Jesus to show up, and you believe him as he reveals himself to you. Gospel of John, 1 John. Everybody reading this week the word of God. See what God does when he shows up in his word. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the Bible. It says they devoted themselves to the, the fellowship. Every one of these words has a definite article. The fellowship. It, it, it's not just a vague thing of cookies and Kool-Aid after a, a service or a donut and a cup of coffee. There's koinonia is the Greek word. Koinonia, it means common. It means they shared a common life. Th these people understood immediately that something is now different about us together that we didn't have before. And we're experiencing a, a, a familiness, a commonality we've never known. I was pastor of International Baptist Church of Prague. And in that church, there were people from China, Cuba, Nigeria, Ghana, Australia, Austria. Canada, the United States, Czech Republic, Slovaks. There were people from all across Central Europe. There were Swedes and Finns and Germans. There was a Japanese and a German girl that would sit together. The first time we met together at the end of the service, I, I just felt led to ask everybody to stand up and we'll say, the Lord's Prayer together, the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples, the one that begins, Our Father. I could see that everybody knew our Father. So we stood up, we bowed our heads, 
And then something happened that wasn't orchestrated or asked for. But across that room, people joined hands. The Japanese and the German, the Cuban and the American. We had people, Serbs and Croats, joined hands in that room who had been at war just years before. All across that room, without being asked, people joined hands and they bowed their head. Everybody in that room prayed in their own language. And it was the most beautiful sound you've ever heard. Because it suddenly proved the truth of God's word that there was koinonia. There was a fellowship that can't be defined by the world. There's a place that does something no other club or no other institution in the world can do. It's the church that makes us one body. No matter what our background, what our income, what our race, uh, tall and short and young and old and smart and not so smart, all of us, with hair and without hair, all of us, I'm just looking around the room. <laughs> glasses and no glasses. Pretty and pretty. <laughs> all of us. It's the cornania. You know, sometimes I think you cannot wait to get out of here and get to Perkins. Sometimes I just get that feeling when I, I'm looking at the clock and I'm thinking, these people are looking at their watch, they're getting ready to go. Perkins, look at them, they're, they're packing up. I better pack up too. You know, you get to Perkins and you look around, what's it like? You're sitting at your little table and all these other people sitting at their little tables and nobody's. That's, that's kind of strange. All in there in the same room, we're all eating, doing the same thing, but we're not connected. Not connected. What's the difference between a restaurant and a church? <laughs> we're, we're connected. It's more, it's not like, but some of you want to make a restaurant out of this. You want to duck in and duck out and avoid hand contact or hug contact or verbal contact in a hurry to get to Perkins. But you know what this place is? This is family reunion. I mean, this is a good family reunion, you know, not, <laughs> not, those, <laughs> not those ones you've come to not look forward to. This is the good one. All your favorite relatives are there, favorite cousins, favorite aunts and uncles, even your crazy Uncle Bob, he's there. <laughs> but you love being with that family. And what the Bible is talking about, that's what happened. Look at the word together there in this scripture. Look together. How many times you see together? All the believers were together, verse 44. Verse 46, they met together. The same verse. They were together in homes. They met together in their homes. They met together in the temple. They met in homes. That's what I love about this church. The connection here, but the connect you make in homes. In just a few weeks, you're going to have this young man. <laughs> I just said young man, but I was thinking for adjective. It did not come. <laughs> this sweet young man. He's going to be standing up here. He's going to be pleading for you to offer your home because we're going to be starting back into homes with connect groups, moving out of the church over here and moving into homes. And he's going to have to stand here. Won't you please, you please, please, he'll call you, he'll beg you. Do not let that happen. You are so devoted to the cause of Christ that this very morning you're going to come forward and you say, you can have my home. I want my home to be used for the glory of God. I want my home to be a place. What happened in a home? 
I was there the first night Danielle showed up in a home. Hadn't come along to these services. She came to a home. You two were there, weren't we, in that home? And in that home, we were talking about Jesus. We were talking about our lives. We were praying for one another. I looked over in the corner, and there was this beautiful young lady, and tears were just coming down her cheeks on that very first exposure to a touch from the family of God. Don't you want your home to be used for the glory of God? For somebody to show up sometime in their life is changed forever, and one day you get to see them confess their faith publicly. It was a process. Yes, there was a home, and there was a preacher, and then there was a repentance, and there was faith. Give your home. Do it today. We're going to have an invitation. I'm going to invite you up to come and see you can have my home. You're not going to, you do not beg for homes. Don't do it. It's ungodly. <laughs> what is godly is for you to say, my house belongs to Jesus. If anybody wants to meet there, they can, and we'll talk about Jesus. Don't even clean it up. Let them see how you live. <laughs> They'll love it because that's how they live. And they'll feel comfortable. Not only did they continue in fellowship, they continued in prayer. They prayed. It was a praying church. I moved those prayer banners up front because prayer ought to be front and central to this church. You need to be praying. The early church prayed. You find them praying in Acts chapter 1. They all met together. It says in verse 14, they joined together, together, constantly in prayer. Constantly in prayer. Look at chapter 4 in the book of Acts. There was a problem. Peter and John had been arrested. They were released. They come back to the church. They tell them what happened. The church breaks out in prayer. It says right there in chapter 4 that when they heard this about the arrest and Peter's, John's release, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. They raised their voices together in prayer to God. I mean, it wasn't just like an opening. Let's have a little short opening prayer. No, the church didn't do that. They prayed. They just broke out in prayer. They prayed. They talked to God. What did they pray? Please don't let us get arrested. Please, Lord, stop, stop them from being mean to us. No, they prayed, bring it on. Bring it on. Give us courage. Give us boldness that we would continue to name the name of Jesus. The prayer ends in verse 31, chapter 4. After they prayed, the place that where they were meeting was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God boldly. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, I thought that happened back in chapter 2. Listen, it keeps on happening again and again when the church calls out to God, and they need strength. They need boldness. They want to share his word. They pray, and the Holy Spirit comes and gives boldness in a fresh way to the church. Pray. I'm going to ask you to come pray. I'm going to ask you to come pray. Maybe you have a prayer need. Don't hide it. Be, listen, be willing to come and meet somebody up here. Prayer team, you just meet somebody right here and you pray. There ought to be people just running to that to pray for this next pastor who's coming. Just find that corner over there. Find five or six people and you start praying today. Lord, bring us the man who will preach the word, filled with the Spirit, loves us, moves us on to that next place we need to go. Moved by the Spirit. Come pray. I'm going to unlock the church. I'm going to be praying down the church office on 5th Street at 5.30. And anybody who would join me, I'm going to be praying. And I would love to have several of you come if you're free this evening. 
5.30, church office, let's come pray. Let's pray for this church. Let's pray for this pastor that's coming. Don't know all the details yet. I'm not going to tell you any details. But by, uh, by the grace of God, you're going to have a pastor, and he needs prayer. And we need to be praying. Our hearts are ready to receive a fresh wind of the Spirit in this church. Fresh wind, fresh fire when God moves.